Thank you for double-clicking your mouse tonight. You're listening to the Midnight Frightcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey everybody, welcome to the Midnight Fright Guest episode number 62. I am one of your hosts, Josh. Sitting across the table from me, as always, is the doctor of filmonomics, Greg the Movie Guy. The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. We did not test our mics, so I saw you just turn me down, didn't you? <laughs> I, I, I did. I watched it. Because I, I noticed you went red on both bars. Yeah, I'm pretty Oh, awesome. good. Oh, good. Yeah. To my left, as always, is our scream queen herself, Maddie. Hey, bitches. And to my right... Is the doctor of everything else, Patrick. Hey, everybody. How's it going? You didn't say as always. I, I, I didn't say as always. Not for Patrick. Oh. You said it for Maddie and I. I mean, do you want me to start over? Just say this again as always. As always. Thank Patrick. you. Okay, I feel better now. Hey, everybody. Now say how's Guillermo del Toro. You think you can edit that in, fix that in post? <laughs> hey, we have, a, um, we have a trailer we watched. As always. As always. It's going to be an as always kind of night. Tonight we watched the trailer for Zombieland Double tap who wants to start i love the first movie and this one seems like it's double the fun as the first one uh, it, it seems like they're really embracing the humor in it and uh yeah i'll, I'll be there to watch this one uh, Zombieland has one of my favorite opening sequences of any movie ever um that opening sequence of Zombieland um with the metallica song playing over it was just like i loved that this looks like a ton of fun though mm-hmm. and I, it's really cool to see them all come back when did zombie land come out was that 10 years has that oh, the, been 10 the years first one i'll have to look it up to it was uh, mid 2000s I, I believe i think it's 10 years or close i'm sorry i'm gonna bring this whole fucking thing to a halt no just keep because we're it. gonna look for the year that this dumbass movie i'm gonna say came 2007 2009 oh, i said 10 years by two. Okay. on the nut all right <laughs> on the nut um so it's really cool to see them back 10 years later it is cool to see that what's her uh fuck I can't think of her name Redhead, Abigail, Redhead. oh Emma Stone Emma Stone's an Academy Award winner now like she doesn't owe this movie anything mm-hmm. and you know Woody Harrelson's like super big now and um, it's just really cool to see everybody come back uh, to do another one of these movies um, it looks like the characters you know like it hasn't been ten years Patrick said none of them look like they aged at all. Um, Abigail Breslin, maybe. yeah, she yeah, just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's we'll a ton of one. there's a ton of funny shit in this, and uh, I enjoyed the trailer. So yeah, I'll be there. And Bill Murray's back in it as well. So his wasn't in the trailer because I'm surprised they said that on IMDb because if they're trying to hide him, they've actually talked about that in different have they? yeah on different oh, okay. news feeds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I wonder what in what capacity he's going to come back because yeah, uh, Maddie uh, dead probably probably dead yeah. <laughs> I have a confession. I've actually never finished the original Zombieland. Oof. And I can't really remember why. I mean, as you said, it's been 10 years. I do really like Abigail Breslin. Is that yeah. Right? yeah. And yeah, yeah. I love Emma Stone and I like Woody Harrelson. So I don't know why I never just finished watching it. It just didn't. So you, so you in. blame Jesse Eisenberg? Is that what you just did? <laughs> well, I just, I don't, I've never really seen him in a lot of stuff. Gotcha. Keep um, it that way. <laughs> so I just, I, I don't know but if she I doesn't, like him She does or not. adore his portrayal of Lex Luthor, however. It was fantastic. I yeah, that, that was amazing. It's hot garbage. What? He played Lex Luthor in, what, 
was it the Superman, Superman which one? Batman versus Superman: Dawn what of Justice. Hey, yes, that's go. what it was. Oh, oh, Greg, knows, like, Greg knows it because yeah. it's his favorite movie, right? Yes, cool. I've never loved seen it. it. I loved it. So before I can even watch this one, I need to obviously go back and finish it. But I don't. I, I don't know. I've had problems with horror comedy in the past because I don't really have that sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So true. we'll see. Greg, I enjoyed the first Zombie Land much to the chagrin of Jesse Eisenberg and the fact that I want to throat punch him every time I see him on the screen. Yeah. This one, you know, I, like Patrick said, they, they had a lot of fun with the first one. It didn't take itself too seriously, and I feel like the second one doesn't take itself any more seriously. Er, yeah. That's a word now. Like you said, it, it looks like it's a fun watch. Uh, horror comedy at its finest. There were some great looking kills on there. I want to mm-hmm. see the one with the combine and the giant blade. That yeah, looks awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, I will probably check this out. I will just have to restrain myself from jumping at the screen and punching Jesse Eisenberg in the yeah. face 1,000 and they got and some new, times. They got some new stars that they kind of brought in. Yeah, yeah. We oh, saw so Rosario Dawson cool. in there. Rosario Dawson's um, in there. Was it, uh, uh, is Luke. Was it Luke uh, Wilson? It was Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson. Okay. Uh, Thomas Middleditch. So that Middleditch, was the, that's the, the Verizon douche. Well, I know him more from uh, Silicon Valley on HBO. Oh, sure. What so. did what did the Jesse dude ever do to you? Like, <laughs> did he rape your dog or something? No, I don't like his acting style. Oh, okay. He'd be really good in a Woody Allen. Film. Pro, I, I feel like he would. Yeah, uh, he he's up there with Michael Sarah. He he does. They play, just sorry, I dude. don't like them. Okay. At all, as he actors. does play that character though really well. Like I, his narration and his voiceover stuff, he does that character fits Jesse Eisenberg. I think. Um, he was, you know, Lex Luthor was terrible, mm-hmm. but oh, that was dark shit. I thought that his, the character he plays in this, he does a really it's, good job. It's one of his better roles. I'd say that loosely just because that this is the one role that I actually appreciate him yeah. in. But anything else. Was Dan Aykroyd in the first one? No. I don't remember him. Is he in the next one? He's listed I on the I fucking swear list. to God, if I pick Ghostbusters in this movie, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Ghostbusters, Paul Rudd's in the next Ghostbusters he movie? He is in the next Ghostbuster movie. Oh, yeah. I, just, I just read that like yesterday on something else. Uh, I don't Avengers. think he's going to play a Ghostbuster, though. I don't know what part he's playing, but I don't think it's going to be a Ghostbuster. That would be fucking cool, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. Is this going to be a, a spinoff of the 1980s Ghostbusters? Or yes. The, okay, it's it's not Ghostbusters the, 3. Going not off the new of part train two. wreck. We're yep. pretending that one doesn't exist. Oh, I think everyone so, else is. So is Jason call. Reitman. <laughs> probably a good call. Um, yeah, so back to Zombieland? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> so I think we wrapped that up. So, okay. Cool? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, we will drop that on the Midnight Fright Cast page, as we always do, and the Midnight Frights page, as we always, as always. do. As always. Uh, welcome to the As Always cast. Uh, let's move on to news. I know Patrick's got news. You're riffing off news. You're riffing off news. Hey, and I hey Josh. Any fucking homework tonight. Hey, Josh. Go, Greg. As always. It's the news. Speaking of pretending it doesn't exist. We're trying. Trying real hard. Greg and I, we should get together and like do a like a studio version of that. Like a like a quartet, like a, not well, a string quartet, but a uh, barbershop quartet, like a barbershop quartet yes. or something like that. Put some music behind it, but still make it super tacky. You could do like a remix of it and yeah, stuff. And yeah, <laughs> you know, like a trap version of it. You know? The news remix. I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, I think Patrick, like I said, is the only one that kind of came with news. I know Greg's riffing off news. Mm-hmm. Maddie's gonna riff off news. And like I said, I didn't do any fucking homework tonight, so I will uh, piggyback as well. 
Just take that's that one. Wrong. Piggy tail. It's piggy tail. Just take that one. I don't need to take anything. I'll just riff off of everybody else's news. I'm oh, good. okay. I mean, because cool. Maddie took, well, it doesn't matter. You know, let's Patrick, just go. Let's Patrick, just take us through the news. Hey, this is what I have for news. Doody, do, 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 do. Sorry. <laughs> God, we got it twice <laughs> tonight. <laughs> that means it's the end of the news, right? No. Okay. Uh, from MovieWeb, uh, it is rumored that Halloween Kills is going to bring back a surprise character from John Carpenter's Halloween. Which character is that, Josh? Uh, Tommy Doyle. Yeah, that's what they're talking about anyway. Uh, does anybody remember Tommy Doyle? Yes. Does anybody remember? He was he was the kid that was babysat by yeah. Laura. Uh, does yeah, anybody Laura. remember Paul Rudd's Tommy Doyle? Yes, I do. Okay. Oh, yeah. So That's where I remember I'm about Tommy Doyle. I'm wondering if Paul Rudd they're going to bring him back to do Tommy Doyle again or if, if he'll do it. Because that would be kind of interesting, that, I think. That was the discussion that I was reading online that was that he was busy doing Ghostbusters and he may not have time to do the yeah, Halloween movies. Yeah, because they're dumbasses and making two of them back to back. Yeah, something, like, like, that. Time. something gotcha. like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that'd be cool as hell. I, I mean, it's cool that they're bringing back Tommy Doyle. I I always thought he kind of fit in that picture. But uh, like I said, I think it'd be a lot cooler if it'd be Paul Rudd doing it. Ant-Man and, versus and, Michael Myers. Yeah. And right here in the article, <laughs> and right here in the article yes. it says, according to Kroll, uh, word is Paul Rudd himself was even offered the chance to reprise the role for the sequel, though he had to turn it down. As he's too busy working on Ghostbusters three, he probably turned it down because they're making two dumbass Halloween movies back to back. Isn't it nice to have an excuse to not do something? Right. Once in a while? I was gonna say that's gonna be my excuse too. Hey, I'm working on Ghostbusters three. <laughs> yeah. I'll never be within a thousand miles of right. that set, but I'm just gonna be like, oh hey, no, I'm working on it. Sorry, I can't see the new Halloween movies. I'm working on Ghostbusters three for the next ten years. It's the new. I'm washing my hair. Right. Oh. Yeah. What else you got, Patrick? From Gizmodo and other places, It Chapter 2 will be long. We'll definitely have a director's cut. According to director Andy Muschietti, the theatrical release of It Chapter 2 will clock in at 2 hours and 45 minutes. And producer Barbara Muschietti also added, we will be putting out a director's cut because this time it definitely merits it. So what will the... Uh, Sorry, buddy, go ahead. (laughs) That was... I just need to make that (laughs) (laughs) Well, how long will the director's cut be then? Because the two hour forty five minutes is going to be a theatrical. That's cut. That's a theatrical cut. So how long will Four a director's hours. cut be? Probably three and a half. You know, it was interesting because in the article that I read, they said you know we, they they had like four hours worth of material to work with that they mm-hmm. were starting to cut down from a four hour cut mm-hmm. to the two and three quarter hour. This is crazy. I mean, look, I'm not mad that it's a two hour and 45 minute cut of it because I enjoy the hell out of that movie. Yeah. The first one was two hours and 15 minutes, and I thought that flew really quick. There was no real lag time Mm-mm. on that movie at all. So, knowing that there's a lot more going on in chapter two, and there's a lot more violence, and there's a lot more gore, and there's a lot more blood, two hours and 45 minutes, I think, is going to fly just as fast as the first one. With me being such a big Stephen King fan, I'm all for it. No pun intended, being a longer movie and having an extended director's cut. Mm-hmm. As long as they're sticking closer to the material, the source material, I know that they have stepped away from it slightly, but they have gotten Stephen King's blessing in order to do it. It is still closer than the Tim the, Curry version. Exactly. Okay. Yes, it is. Did you see that the guys that did the original 90s version of It are suing the studio for millions of dollars? Because they said they are part of a deal that they made back in the 90s with a studio that is now debunked that said that they would get any back pay, any 
anything that had to do with uh, the It name that they owned at the time. How can you sue a studio that no longer exists? They were uh, part of a studio that no longer exists, but the studio was a – it's a smaller studio that was part of of a bigger studio, and now that small studio is gone. But like I said, they are suing the studio behind uh, It because they are owed back pay for the new It movie. Hmm. I mean, that's fair if they had a contract or something that, yeah, get your money. I don't know. I think that's kind of horseshit, really. I, I, I mean, it's it's going to be fought. I, I, They're yeah, going to fight it really. They're yeah, going to fight it really hard. It's going to come down to what the contract said. Yeah. That, you know, and if it was with a company that no longer exists, they don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. So yeah. that was fun news. Yeah, the article that I was looking at was from a site called Den of Geek, which I've never seen before, but they actually have some really cool articles in there. I was kind of scrolling through today. They said that this longer format is actually better for horror because there's a ton of other genres out there that are producing like two and a half, three hour movies and that people are getting more bang for their buck in the theater because the tickets are so expensive. Mm -hmm. And I don't agree on either of those, (laughs) honestly, because... First of all, bang for your buck. I'm a quality over quantity person. They So are they saying that if somebody comes out and makes a six-hour fucking movie, then, oh, yeah, you've really gotten your money's worth, even if the movie's, like, bad? Mm-hmm. So I don't agree with that. But also, horror's different. I don't think they need to compete with other genres by making movies that are equally long. Because right. you can't hold tension for two hours and 45 minutes. It's just... You can't. It's not. That, I don't know. But I. But I would argue that in this particular case, it is a film that's not just about the horror itself, but it's about the relationship with the kids and as they grew up, what their relationship became and what it develops into by the end of the movie. It's kind of like a Stand by Me thing. Yeah. Where it wasn't all about trying to find. No, I get what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. But I just kind of meant like overall. Just a horror movie, not a horror movie with all that other touchy feel good crap in it. Like a horror movie should not be almost three hours long. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If a horror movie is pushing two hours, they probably need to go back and cut some stuff. Yeah. I think horror movies live perfectly in that hour and a half, hour 45, maybe two hours if you've got enough good material to mm-hmm. put in there. I, I see where both of you are coming from on this, where. I mean, you look at the book that Stephen King put out was a thousand some fucking pages. It's like eleven hundred. Yeah, eleven hundred pages. And if they're sticking closer, more closely to the source material, then they're probably going to want to put a lot more of the content in there. And so I completely get the the whole uh, character development where now we get to see the kids as adults and the clown comes back. So you're almost combining a uh, an hour and a half horror movie with a two hour drama, mm-hmm. and that's where it's putting that together. And so I'm I'm interested to see how this is going to turn out. I don't know. I just if I end up watching this movie eventually, this is going to be like a three set thing. <laughs> like there is, I cannot sit through a three hour movie anymore. Right. It just <laughs> drives me up the fucking wall. I think Patrick found it, but the guys were owed back in participation. Mm-hmm. There's a contract that I guess said they they get any involvement uh, that they are contracted uh, to be involved in any rehash of it. Uh-huh. And they were not involved in the new remake and they're all pissed off. So interesting. I, I, yeah. It, on one hand, it is kind of dog shit, but on the other hand, I think, yeah, you had that contract for a reason. 
Maybe yeah. they were looking in the future and they were like, you know what? I bet like around 2018, we're not going to have any original movies and they're just going to start remaking 80s and 90s shit. Right. And <laughs> I want my part of that. I don't think they're asking for a ridiculous amount of money. 10%. But, I mean, that movie made gajillion dollars. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Just... You know, whatever 10% of a gajillion is, I guess. But yeah, yes. for doing nothing other than, you know, sending a piece of paper, but whatever. Is that our news? Well, this is uh, it's something that Greg's going to riff on from CNN Entertainment. New Netflix show is so scary, people say that they can't sleep. A new Netflix horror show called The Typewriter is drawing comparisons to Stranger Things, and people are freaked out. Greg. Uh, I'm just going to make that noise again. <laughs> yeah. I, I am I'm at a loss for words, mostly because... <laughs> A, I hit, podcast. No, that's really not good. I, I do want to check this um, <laughs> this show out. I've been hearing uh, murmurs of it. You okay, Josh? Yeah, keep going. Man. Don't I'm die. Gonna, I'm just going to die. No, please don't die. No, no, no. That's also not good on a podcast. So, Are you kidding me? That'll put us in like infamy forever. You <laughs> yeah. choke over there, Josh. <laughs> choke, bitch. You choke and you <laughs> die. <laughs> um, I, I've been he- hearing murmurs of uh, the, it's the typewriter, not typewriter. I've heard both versions of it called the typewriter, the typewriter, the typewriter. The typewriter. Okay. Um, just, I've, I follow a bunch of horror groups on Facebook and I hear really good things about it. I'm interested to check it out, but then I get a, uh, an article like this thrown into our, uh, Facebook <laughs> messenger thread. And it really kind of irks me because I, this, this is a thing that's a, a conversation that we've had, I think multiple times. I don't know if we've actually done a full on conversation on here before, but Headlines for horror movies are the dumbest thing yeah. ever anymore. Going back to the uh, the movie The Perfection, where they were telling us about how people were vomiting in the theaters because it was so graphic and gross. I saw that movie. There's one spot where it's a little iffy, but no, no. Why are you posting this stuff? I, I'm not sure what's going on here. People are getting freaked out and they can't sleep because of a TV horror movie. And it seems to be specifically associated with Netflix. Right. So someone's tooting their horn. I don't think so. I'm sorry. Like, I'm still going to check this out. I'm excited to check it out. But now I want to check it out so I can go back to this author, writer, columnist, journalist bullshit guy. Was it male, female? I should probably know that. Oh, it's probably a 17 year old named Tiffany who's just afraid of everything. <laughs> and I want to go back and I want to just destroy her article and saying you are the dumbest idiot for writing this. Or maybe she's the smartest because we're sitting here commenting on it. I don't know which, but these horror movie headlines like this need to stop because you're killing it. Have you seen the trailer for it? I have not. It's actually really good. Is it? It looks really interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to call it scary uh you know the scariest thing and i can't sleep but they also might not have shown the best parts of it either but it was, i think it's foreign and it looks really really interesting um i saw the trailer for it the other night um, okay just on netflix so yeah it's um, definitely one that's on my list just again following the uh the horror groups that i follow and yeah, they're hearing sure. some stuff about it so see i'm probably just gonna stay up all night watching it just to prove them wrong wait wait <laughs> <laughs> That's Did they say the same thing kind of about <laughs> Veronica also? When we watched yes, Veronica. that was another one. That yep. was the other one. That was super. Yeah. I'm going to watch this from now on because I'd like to know if this is like just a Netflix thing or if they're doing this with like a lot of horror movies that are coming out. Was it Veronica theatrical release? No, Veronica was Netflix. Netflix. Was it just Netflix? Yeah. Okay, maybe it is just whoever they're having right. So was the perfectionist. The perfectionist, perfectionist. Yeah, Netflix. was Netflix. No, I knew that one. I knew that one. So maybe it is Netflix hired some really gung ho 
uh, journals. I don't know. Some, but they need to stop. Yeah, I hope they hired a gung ho. I, what? I'm I just gonna, let's just move on. <laughs> all right. Who's got more news? No, that's it. That's, that's all I That was what? news. That's it. That was the news. Are we moving on to what we've been watching? We can. Again, didn't do my homework. Who's been watching something? Maddie? I haven't been watching a lot just because we've been really busy the last couple weeks, but I did get to rewatch an old favorite of mine. I watched um, Rebecca from um, Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred, thank you. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> it's not fire today. <laughs> but yes, that's one of my old favorites, and I just needed something to watch before bed that I didn't really have to pay attention to since I've seen it like a million times. And yeah, so that's what I've been watching. Nothing exciting. Cool, Greg. So has anybody ever experienced theatrical burnout? No. Yeah, that's kind of happening. Oh, yeah? Because I am like going to theaters all the time. I kind of see that. Holy yeah. shit. Post. Yeah. This summer yeah. has been ridiculous for movies. I I can't remember if I had uh, talked about this one on the last cast, but uh, Emily and I went out on a Tuesday and we saw Stuber, which was a comedy with Dave Bautista and Kumal Nanjiani. Yeah. And it was hysterical. Really? really? Absolutely hysterical. Okay. Hmm. It, it, yeah, like highly recommend comedy hysterical. Not one you would expect from Dave, like, Dave Batista. Yeah. Yeah. We went and saw The Lion King. I think I did talk about that one. Yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. See? Burnout. And things are getting mixed up. On Saturday, I got to go out and see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. How was that? A new Tarantino film. Very mixed. It's a sit. Yeah. It yeah. is a bit of a sit. Cinematography is beautiful. The, uh, the story is interesting. He... He goes a couple different ways with it, and it doesn't really start to click until about the two-thirds point of the movie. Hmm. But watching Brad Pitt is hysterical. Leonardo DiCaprio does a really good job. It wasn't what I was expecting when uh, Tarantino came out and said he was going to do a movie about, I almost said Marilyn Manson. Hmm. Charles Manson. (laughs) You tried. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. Uh, Otherwise, that's really been about it. I'm trying to stay on top of all the stuff that's coming out and fuck my bank account and my like i'm just mm-hmm. exhausted from how, going and seeing how movies. long was that movie 240 has tarantino ever made a short movie that you can New think day. of reservoir think dogs so. might be the shortest one he made yeah thanks my little but, brother went and saw that one and he said it was two hours of nothing and 30 minutes of crazy of uh once upon a time mm-hmm. that's pretty accurate okay yeah, yeah i was wondering it, it doesn't turn Tarantino until about the last 30 minutes. Okay. And once it gets to that point, it's like, oh, fuck, yes, here we go. <laughs> I what put the, in my time. I want it now. <laughs> that movie just seems like a lot of, like a mixed bag. Of, I thought that movie, when it came out, it was about Sharon Tate and, and Charles Manson and like that whole thing. That's kind of what I was thinking, but. It's not at all. Mm-mm. Interesting. Weird. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of how they were marketing it yeah. in the beginning. Patrick. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot because I was busy doing other things. I did see Broadway Idiot. It is a documentary on taking American Idiot from California to Broadway. Maddie's going to be pleased because I did finish August Underground. Thank you. All the way through. And you know what? It wasn't as bad as what it was worked up into my mind as what it was going to be because the whole stuff down in the basement was only like maybe a fourth of the movie itself. And the rest of it was just them out and about doing stupid things. And, and now you can watch the other two. And, well, <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm going to like, you know, run out to do that because it wasn't my bag, baby. But I did finish it. Good. So Good for you, there. And then I did see Pet Cemetery. 
Yeah, what do you the think? The remake. Yeah. And I enjoyed three quarters of that movie. I felt the last 15 minutes of it really kind of ruined it. Yeah. Maybe the last bummer. maybe the last five minutes the really whole, ruined it. Yeah, I didn't really like the whole movie. But what did you think of um, John Lithgow? I thought John Lithgow did a great job. I thought he was cast well in it, but they yeah. didn't give him enough. I, Not for really, For some reason no. in my mind, I thought that Fred Gwynn had more in the original yeah. than, than what Lithgow had in this one. I didn't mind changing it from Gage to the sister, yeah, being the like one who, yeah. who I didn't mind that as much. And overall, I felt a lot of it was filmed in a studio it as was. opposed to it because was. the whole the whole when they were up at the actual cemetery, mm-hmm. all that looks so fake. Everything looks so fake during that part. Yeah, they shot a lot of it on stage. I, I bought it when it came out, so I watched a lot of the special features the other night. And a lot of it was shot on yeah. the soundstage. Mm-hmm. But they did have the alternate ending that's on there, I thought was better than the ending you really? got. Okay. Yeah. I'd be interested to at least know what the alternate ending yeah. was. So, And I agree with you that Zelda was not used as well as she could have been. Not even at all, really. It was right. kind of weak. Right. And same thing with Pascal. They could have done more with yeah. him as It well. was a joke what they did with, uh, with Zelda and how she died in that movie. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a... Yeah. It's kind of a joke. Yeah. So. so, you know, but it's interesting because King did give his approval on this movie that he did say he liked the changes that they made and everything else. But, and, you know, like I said, I enjoyed yeah. it except for the last five to ten minutes. Cool. That's it. Based on Maddie's recommendation, I've been watching a lot of Pornhub. Um, <laughs> you've been watching the, the dick reviews. Pics. Dick pics, yeah. Uh, no, I did. Uh, I did. Uh, my wife and daughter started watching Stranger Things from the beginning. Uh two weeks ago because I hadn't seen it yet. So the last couple of weeks have been me sitting down with them for the most part, uh, rewatching from season one all the way through. Mm-hmm. And the only request I had for my wife was she couldn't watch episode eight of season three without me just because I wanted to see her reaction to that stuff. But she surprisingly, that's not really her thing at all. Elizabeth or Emma? Elizabeth. Oh, okay. But she really liked it. So and uh, she was super affected by that last episode. So um, she's excited for season four as well. So it's it's kind of a... I had seen season one now like three or four times, but that mm-hmm. was only my second time watching uh, season two and three. It holds up. I got to get Em to watch it. That's Is my it? that's my next push. She'll like it. I'm trying to so. tell her that she's going to like it. I haven't recommended a bad series for her yet. Yeah. So... Cool. That's what we've been watching. That's what we've been yep. watching. Uh, Greg, I'm going to have you lead us into the topic because you know better than I do what we're doing. <laughs> so. so as we usually try to do, as always, we try to pick a topic that somehow mirrors or is in relation to the movie that we watched. And this week's movie, we watched John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. What I wanted to go with as far as a uh, topic in relation to the movie was, um, we're calling it horror books to movies. Essentially, you know, a lot of a lot more books are being made into movies, especially horror books, looking at you, Stephen King. And a lot of it is more along the lines of just wanting to start a discussion on how you perceive the books that get made into the movies. You know, more recently we've had uh, it being made. We had Pet Cemetery remake. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones. Those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. I got a whole list here of ones that I didn't realize were made based off of books. But 
I, I came up with a couple questions here just to kind of get us the the ball rolling here. Yeah. As far as uh, horror books go into movies, like what what are your preferences on on how those go? Do you do you like to read the books before seeing the movies, or do you like watching the movies before reading the books? Do you feel like books that stay closer to the source material are better as movies, or do you prefer? Uh, an instance like The Shining, where Stanley Kubrick used basically the name of The Shining and then created his own version of The Shining, just uh, things like that. And yeah. so that was kind of where I was going to go with that. Cool. So, I mean, for me, like it would require me to actually read, um, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been pretty honest about that in the past. Um, I'm just like I pick up a book and I just can't really get going. But I also think that it's fair to. If you're going to adapt a book, I feel like the original, the the author and the filmmaker have to find kind of a middle ground. Right. Um, because, yeah, you want to stay true to the material, but you also want to give that filmmaker some creative control just to kind of veer off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're, they're stuck just creating something that's already been done and they lose their their creativity for, for that film. They're, so, they're being direct they're, they're having to direct in a box. Yeah, very much so. So for me, like I said, I would rather if, you know, if it were me, I like to work closely with that author and find like a middle ground to, uh, said stick closer to their material, but mm-hmm. be able to create something myself. That's just, that's me. But I don't, uh, so I don't read. I see all the movies, but I don't really read the books. So I have a wife that reads all those books, and she's like, "I'm like, all right, give me the cliff notes," and then she does. And that's I'm kind of in that same boat where I'm I'm trying to get myself back into reading. I actually started reading uh, it, which was probably a dumb decision just because of the length of it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I I use the the comparison of The Shining, uh, the book versus Stanley Kubrick's version because they are so drastically different. Um, I know back in the early mid nineties, they came out with a TV series. Patrick, do you remember? Yes, it was a miniseries. It was a miniseries. That mm-hmm. was actually a lot closer. It was to a the book. lot closer to the book. Okay. Yes, I completely agree. I enjoyed the miniseries too bad. It was on TV because I wish they could have thrown in the R rated aspects of right. the book into it because they had to pull back on certain things, but they did adhere to the source material better on actually what happened in the story. So based on those, do you prefer the the TV miniseries had it been an R-rated version versus Stanley Kubrick's? Oh, most definitely. Really? Um, okay. I, I do not like... I, I refer to Kubrick's movie as the movie based upon the book, like based on inspired. the story, inspired by sure, sure, that sure. type of thing. Because... Kubrick took it so far away from the source material. Basically, he hit certain points that he kept in there and went and did his own thing. He did a highlight it. reel. Basically, yeah. And when it comes to, and and with me being a King fan, there are so many of his books that I enjoy so much that when I finish it and I put it down and I hear that they're going to make a movie, there's two responses I have. It's, I love the book so much. I'm so glad they're making a movie. Or I love the book so much, I can't believe they're making a movie and they're going to fuck it up. Right. You know, so we've got some King movies coming out in, well, this year. I think he's got three movies coming out. He's got Dr. Sleep. He's got It Chapter 2. And there's another one. It was a short story and it's escaping my mind right now. Something in the fields. Something in the fields. Yeah. I can't remember. So, I mean, 
yes, it's good to be the king, but <laughs> is it good when they fuck up your stories? Another point that I want to bring up on King that we can throw this out for discussion if sure. people like it is that I generally believe authors should not write the screenplays for their own books. I would agree with that. Because they don't necessarily understand what it is to make movies. There's there's two different styles of writing. Script writing is a monster all in itself. And I yeah, I, I completely agree with right. you. And the way King writes his books is they're very descriptive. Oh God. <laughs> they get into the character's thoughts and just it is so descriptive beyond all belief that there's no way you can get all the information in a King book into a movie. And the dialogue is crap in the books. Yeah, if you, it is. If you, mm-hmm. I mean, I love his books. I love his writing. But the dialogue does not transfer well into movies. And that's where you need a creative mind to pull that dialogue out of what's happening in the book and create something good, such as Misery, such as The Green Mile, such mm-hmm. as Stand By Me. Mm, yes. Stephen King wrote an original script for The Shining uh, before Stanley Kubrick was like, all right, thanks. See you later. <laughs> Not going to film it. Right. So, but he did write an original script for The Shining before they made Stanley Kubrick's. So I know he's he's taking a crack at it. And I thought he was uh, part of the writing team for Pet Cemetery also when that first uh, came out. So I know he has tried to get himself in there um, as far as writing on the uh, scripts for those movies when they come out. At least being a consultant or something, something like that yeah. in, the, in the room. So. Well, then you can have it like flipped, though, because do you guys remember the FX TV series, The Strain? Yes. Yeah. Um, I read the book of that, and I cannot remember for the life of me who wrote it. Was that Del Toro that wrote it? Guillermo Del Toro? Yeah. <laughs> I, hey. I fucking said it last week at the end of the podcast. It's <laughs> on there. Well, whoever did write it, um, I think, was involved in filmmaking, and the book read like like a script Mm -hmm. and it kind of drove me a little bit crazy because (laughs) it didn't have that like element that I really like in books. It didn't, it didn't flow. It didn't flow. We well. And like I, which is why after I finished reading the first book, I like never really picked it up again just because I was like, this is not, this is not going well. Right. And that's, that's part of that whole two different monsters of writing yeah. a book versus writing a script is, yeah, books have a definite flow to them because you've got pages upon pages to knock out, whereas scripts, they're visually descriptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who haven't read a script before or seen a script, they're visually descriptive action lines, dialogue, and it's a very choppy looking piece of paper. And it just it, it doesn't translate well going either way. So yeah. That's why I've never read a script before. It was Del Toro, by the way. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, he does not have that that flow. Yeah. Gotcha. But it's it's interesting. You know, we had uh, we had mentioned the the two hour forty five minute runtime of it coming up, and that they are sticking closer to the source material. And I, I think this fits really nicely into kind of what we're talking about here. Is you know because that book was eleven hundred pages, how much of that are you going to try and pack into this story? be it the the drama, kids growing up into adults still fearing a clown side or flashbacks into the, the kids who have legitimate reason to fear a clown side. Well, like, as Patrick said, Stephen King gets in his character's head so much and he will go on for fucking ever, like, page-wise. I, I've used the words painfully detailed. Yeah, like, sometimes <laughs> he does go a little painfully detailed, which is why I think I prefer a lot of his shorter stories sure. because he's like... 
reining it in. But like, <laughs> I think you have his like huge books like that because mm-hmm. there's so much internal dialogue right. in it. So it's kind of like I I've always kind of wondered if you like go through some of his books and like take out all that like internal dialogue and stuff i wonder how long the book would actually be and like what you'd actually have to work with sure sure. if you were just trying to like get like this happened then this happened then this happened like i think i was i've always kind of wondered what like an outline like an actual outline of one of his books would look like and how that would transfer over into a film instead of i mean he's had probably more than anybody book wise translated the film i'm looking at the list that patrick's oh, yeah. got right now yeah it's in, it's insane it's crazy but you also have to realize how prolific of a writer he is i mean he just yeah. cranks out a novel almost every year yeah, yeah. and then they impressive. make movies on his short stories not mm-hmm. just his novels his novellas everything else i mean that's that's why he's reigning in the box office yeah. when it comes to authors being produced for film cool yeah. i sometimes actually prefer the movies over the books Simply because even though, so obviously I stick to mostly one genre with movies. With books, I will read almost any genre except for like just straight up romances. I don't want none of that. (laughs) But I am so picky about writing styles Mm -hmm. that there's actually very few authors that I want to read their stuff. So sometimes I prefer to just like kind of... Like I like what you did here, but I don't want to. I don't want to read it. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I would prefer to watch the movie and be like, "Hey, it was nice to see your ideas, but like you write like a fourth grader, and I'm really sorry." Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean. There's a right. lot of authors that just don't have that flow, or they just kind of get stuck in like a high school writing style. Is kind of what I think about it. Really sorry, but. <laughs> Sometimes it just kind of drives me nuts. It's funny. I've been going back. My I recently discovered my buddy has the entire Goosebumps collection. And so I'm borrowing books from him just to go through. And it's it's fun to go back and read them. But I'm knocking these books out in like two hours. Yeah, <laughs> I could probably read Goosebumps. There's not a lot of depth to them. Yeah. yeah but, there's, uh, but then there's, I don't know if anyone has seen the movie Relic. Yeah, when that mm-hmm. first came out, I remember seeing. Yeah, that. that's like, yeah. that's some hot garbage. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that's based on one of my absolute favorite books, and it's an amazing book. And I was so actually excited when I saw. Oh my god, they made a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Crushed. <laughs> <laughs> they. Cu- <laughs> she got close to the mic that time. Yeah, she did. <laughs> they cut out my favorite character, the main oh. character. The main character, they just were like, oh, no, fuck it. We can't do it. Um, and they just messed it up. So when it comes to books being made as movies, on one hand, you kind of got to walk a line, I think. Yeah. Because you have you can read a book and be like, well, I don't really want a movie made out of this. I want an eight-hour shit show with every fucking detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that can't happen. But yeah. at the same time, I don't like it when filmmakers take a, mo- take a book and just kind of like pluck things from it that they want to use and put it out there. Cause to me, that's, that's not really basing a movie off the book. That's stealing someone else's shit and like putting it together. It's making art from art. Yeah, pretty much. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It's like putting a hat on the Mona Lisa and being like, look what I did. (laughs) I did real good. So anyone else? Just, I got nothing. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, the only thing else I wanted to add is I do think it's kind of interesting that so many 
book or so many movies are made off of Stephen King stuff and there's not a lot of good movies that are based on Lovecraft stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, and I've always kind of wondered that because I love, I think Lovecraft is great and I love the whole universes he's created. I think one and, could argue that up until like really realistic CGI have people been able to even attempt Lovecraft mm-hmm. the way he probably intended it to be seen or thought of mm-hmm. because his creatures are so bizarre Yeah, that practical effects would be really difficult to do yeah. for but his work. You can see Lovecraft, even if it's not his work, you can see his you work see his all over the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Influence yeah. everywhere. Oh, yeah. So even if it's not his stuff... You know, yeah, you where it came can. from, mm-hmm. and and so. while he does have some pretty strong followers, I I don't think adaptations of his work would be mainstream either. It'd be so more it's, cult following, you think? Exactly. So it's probably harder to get the production companies to get behind a Lovecraft project. Yeah, which, as I said, I've always just kind of wondered about like Stephen King versus Lovecraft, why he's gotten that bigger yeah. mainstream following, and Lovecraft hasn't, besides the like practical effects mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah. See, and we've complained that there's like no new and creative ideas out there, and you got Lovecraft sitting there. Like, dive into that. Yeah, that would be know? so cool. Mm-hmm. I would love like a good production value Lovecraft movie because I know Stuart Gordon's kind of tackled some of his stuff. And although I love me a good Student Gordon, Stuart Gordon film, um, <laughs> yeah, they're a thing. <laughs> They they're an acquired taste. Sure. They're a little kombucha. They're just you need to drink a couple before you can really start swilling those things down. Right. Cool. I mean if you if you do a search on movies based on Lovecraft, there's quite a bit out there, but that doesn't mean that they're any good. Mm-hmm. So people have tried, they just yeah. Yeah. failed. Epic sure. fail. Is that it for our topic, do you think? That's I yeah. unless anybody has anything else to add. Cool. Uh, well, Patrick? Nope. Okay. Uh, We're good. So, yeah, we'll just uh, dive into the feature really quick. This week we watched 1994's yep. Yep. John Carpenter film In the Mouth of Madness. Patrick will give you the deets. In the Mouth of Madness, 1994, running an hour 30, currently on. Did we? I found it on Voodoo. Voodoo. So I watched it's it on, on Crackle. Right. And Crackle? Nice. Okay. So we've got a couple places there for people to watch it. When horror novelist Sutter Kane goes missing, insurance investigator John Trent scrutinizes the claim made by his publisher and endeavors to retrieve a yet-to-be-released manuscript and ascertain the writer's whereabouts. Accompanied by the novelist's editor and disturbed by nightmares from reading Kane's other novels, Trent makes an eerie nighttime trek to a supernatural town in New Hampshire. IMDb rating 7.2, Metacritic score rating 53, Rotten Tomato critic rating 59, and Rotten Tomato audience score 73. I think that's high. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like the the critics agreed with each other on the Metacritic score and Rotten Tomatoes critics, and the fans on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes agreed because they're almost identical. So, Greg, uh, we start with kind of why you picked this film. So my my original intent was because we were going to have Bill as a guest. And this is one of his all-time favorite movies. And I wanted to hear him dialogue about why he enjoys this movie. Mm -hmm. That was mainly the reason of it. I had actually seen this, saw this, watched this. One of those. English English evades me. I had uh, watched this movie for the first time earlier this year. I had uh, 
had it recommended to me from Bill to put in my uh, GregTheMovieGuy.com Road to 200, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I think yeah, it's it's one of those where you know you love John Carpenter's Halloween uh, if you enjoy it as versions of the thing. I think it it kind of goes hand in hand with those movies, and I, I like John Carpenter as a director, and I mm-hmm. think I don't know why I hadn't caught on to this one or even heard of it until just a couple of years ago. So um, I, I felt like it'd be a good. Uh, movie to throw in here and see what you guys think and maybe end up in the penalty box. No, not penalty box. Okay, so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you'll end up in the penalty box for this one. If I, I didn't end up in there for Begotten, I think you're yeah. fine. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, this is a movie I had not seen before. And, and truly, I have to admit that I have not seen a grand majority of Carpenter's movies. I felt that the dialogue was fairly good in this one. Either that or Sam Neill just worked really well with what he was given. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a really good, strong performance in this movie. There were a lot of references to Stephen King in it, and I don't know if they were trying to, if he was trying purposefully to make a satire on how popular King was during that time. It'd be interesting to see what he felt about it now or feels about it now. But there obviously was a very, very strong Lovecraft influence in this movie. Mm-hmm. I found this movie to be more original than the other Carpenter movies that I've seen. Yeah. Other than The Thing. Yeah. Prince of Darkness, I guess, is in there, too, uh, which I haven't seen that either. But, mm-hmm. like, I guess that's a... Do you know anything about it being, like, a kind of a... There's, like, a, a trilogy, I guess, in there with The Thing and Prince of Darkness and uh, In the Mouth of Madness. But I don't know how they all fit together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And overall, I it started... While it held my interest pretty strong at the beginning and in the middle, about three quarters of the way through, I, it started losing me. And I think I was just overwhelmed with all the weirdness mm-hmm. in it. What Was it after the third or the fourth time he was driven back into the crowd? It was a little bit before that. Before that, okay. I just think it was just a little too much mm-hmm. and it overloaded me and I just didn't care at that point. Yeah, But as towards... The effects and everything else I thought were pretty good for when the movie was made. Some of the makeup effects, eh, the old, the kid dressed up as the, or made up as the old man on the bicycle. Yeah, that was a little That was a a little rough. But there were some weird things that I thought were kind of cool. The old man handcuffed to the woman's leg behind the counter. Just things that caught me off guard Mm -hmm. in that sense. I don't know. I think at a runtime of only an hour 30 it just felt long to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it was a weird movie. So here's, this is a movie that you really have to pay attention to. And I was not, uh, <laughs> I was busy. I, it was kind of a background movies. So when you look over after not really staring at the movie for five minutes, but listening to it and you go, okay, I don't know who that is and what the fuck is going on. Um, and then I got really a, distracted by the old lady at the hotel because it was the grandma from happy Gilmore. And yeah, I couldn't get that. that that's where I, yes. I yeah. Like, Thank I was you. like, I couldn't let that go. I was like, that's the grandma from happy Gilmore. And she's got a guy handcuffed to her ankle. This is weird. Um, but again, I would go like long sections and then I go like five, six, seven minutes without paying attention. And then you try to come back from that and go, I don't know what's going on. And didn't I already see this scene? But I, 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 there's a lot of like really cool stuff in there, and uh, I, I thought Sam Neill was really great. Although I did look at Elizabeth at one point and go, didn't Sam Neill die? And it wasn't Sam Neill. It was the guy from Frailty uh, and Twister. 
Oh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Yeah. Close. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> so close. Um, but yeah, I just this movie had a really hard time keeping my attention. I'm sure if I would have sat there and like just did it, it would have been fine. But I just could not. I couldn't get into it, and it could not. I saw this movie too when I was a kid, and remember going, "This is fucking stupid." And you know, however many years later, not saying it's stupid, but just mm-hmm. I could not get into it. This so. was this is like I said, I'd never seen this movie, but it's one I've always wanted to see, solely based on the production still of Sam Neill sitting in the cell with the cross painted on, on his face. face. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there was a lot of imagery in this movie that I thought was really, really good. Yeah. It I just agree. just it wasn't connected well for me, and I got confused too because again it was me not paying attention. But the girl whose name I can't think of right now, the editor, oh yeah, that he took out there with him. Yeah, she was there, but then now she's not there, and now she didn't exist. And but was she there? I was just I got lost. But again, it well, was, she may have originally been there, but then he makes the comment later on. Well, the reason you don't remember her is because he wrote her out of the book. You know, so while he was writing it, she was real. But yeah, you know, so then he wrote her out. Used to that. I mean, I <laughs> wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. My bad. So I came uh, out though out of the gate before we started this and said I did not do my fucking homework this week. So that's part of the homework, I guess. I didn't do guilty. Moving on. Um. So I also didn't really do my homework, but I did see this movie quite a while ago. Actually, about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I remembered it and I remembered I liked it kind of says something because I can't remember last week. So I do really like this movie. As I said, I don't really have any specifics of it, but like I kind of love early 90s horror. I think it's fun. It's and I love anything with a really strong Lovecraft influence in it. So I definitely plan on rewatching this one sometime in the future, but it just didn't happen this week. Yeah, I remember really, really liking it. Greg? Again, Carpenter is one of my favorite directors, and so it kind of falls right hand in hand with like Halloween or the thing and things like that. Early's 90 horror has a style. It does. And it's a very awkward style, especially if you're watching it like 15 years later, 25 years later. Mm-hmm. Let's not Where the age hell us. are we at? Let's not age us. A couple decades later. <laughs> the thing that bugged me the most about this was not necessarily the setting but how the settings were set, uh, they felt very not on location. And mm-hmm. that kind of bugged me. Um, there's a there's a sequence towards the, not really towards the beginning, but closer to the, the first third of the movie where, Patrick, do you have characters pulled up? Yes. Uh, is her name Styles? Styles. Yes. Styles. Where uh, Sam Neill's character in Styles, uh, Trent, right? Yes, Trent. John, John Trent, John Linda Trent, Styles. Linda Styles. Uh, when they first arrive at the hotel room, and she's going over all the stuff that she saw with the picture, and uh, he goes to the window and tries to look for the church. And she's like, well, no, it's, it was to the, the west or something like yeah. that. So he goes and looks to the other one. Beautiful shot. You can actually see the black mm-hmm. dome there and the gold cross. As soon as you step out and you go to the field where it's at, it's sitting all by itself. And those two really just didn't jive with me that well. Because I was expecting this thing to be sitting in the middle of a city the way that it was first portrayed. Um, but no, you get this giant church, which is a beautiful looking church. I just I wish it was presented a little bit better to start off with. Fast forwarding to, I love the fact that John Carpenter is not afraid of his creatures that he creates. 
going back into what he did with the thing, those things were fucking terrifying. Yeah. And I felt a lot of influence from that as well as uh, what Lovecraft has put out. Kind of uh, a beautiful meld together of what these creatures are. They're not the greatest looking creatures. They're obviously 90s practical mm-hmm. effects, yeah. which I'm I'm okay with practical effects, yeah. but they still were looking, they were pretty cool looking. So I, I really appreciated that point of it. Sam Neill was the 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 winner of this movie for me. Yeah. His mm-hmm. acting was yep. just fantastic throughout the entire thing. I also want to throw an honorable mention. I'm going to butcher his name. Jürgen Prochnow, the guy who plays Sutter Kane. Jürgen Prochnow. Oh, I was right. Cool. Uh, was a really, really creepy antagonist. And I loved uh, his character and then the, the scenes where he and uh, John Trent were sharing screen. I thought they did a great job with yeah. those. The, uh, the room where he was writing in, absolutely loved it. Awesome, awesome looking room. Just great settings and all that. Other than that, it was just, you know, it had uh, a lot of great tension uh, points. It did lose me a little bit in the the scene where he goes back multiple times into the, the riot, uh, the, uh, the angry mob. I, I thought, why would you do that four times? That's, you know, you, you can get your point across a couple, but I yeah. thought that was a little bit too much. Otherwise, I just, I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. Awesome. A couple of things. I just wanted to bring up real quick is that again, he wrote music for this. The, and it was the, fantastic. The, the man, I know he worked with, he collaborated with someone to work on the music, but just how talented John Carpenter is in that sense that he's able to do all of that. And then overall, I love the concept behind this movie. I just thought he was going to take it a different way. I mm-hmm. didn't know that it was going to have such a strong Lovecraftian feel. Sure to it i thought it was basically going to be about what happens when a writer develops a cult following and people start acting upon the books themselves which that's the end of the movie as Mm -hmm. opposed to the course of the movie so now i want to see a movie about that so here's an interesting thought because they ripped on stephen king so much in this movie do you feel like uh jurgen proch now sutter kane is more the H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. Is he's yeah, and and not the Stephen King exactly. Type That's I, yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree with that. But like I said, now I want to see a movie based on what I thought the concept was going to be. Cool. Cool. I don't have anything else. I okay. don't know if anybody else. I said if I I, I didn't yeah. Move on. <laughs> should we score it? Let's we rate, it. Rate, rate it. it. Let's rate it. We rate the films here on the Fright Cast using three different elements. The Fright Factor, the Gore Score, and our overall rating. Would we recommend it to a friend? Let's start with Greg. Fright Factor. I would give it a four because there are a couple scenes while if you're actually looking at the characters, they're not the greatest. I think the uh, the cop was sitting on the couch with yep. them in the, in the yep. apartment could cause a jump scare. Yeah. Um, and there are some other really creepy scenes in there. The, uh, the kids in there are freaking terrifying. I would give it a, what did I say? Three or four. Four. Yeah. four. I give it a four. Yeah. Maddie. I'll give it a two from what I remember of it. There was enough tension and stuff in there, but mm. it wasn't an overly scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting at a three or four. So I agree. Yeah. I, I put it at about a four myself. This thing really was loaded with jump scares. But by, like I said earlier, by the end of the movie, they had thrown so much stuff at me that things were ineffective at mm-hmm. that point. So mm-hmm. I'm writing on a four. Cool. Gore score. I would give it a three. Um, I think the, the gore comes from the 
the creature development, the facial deformities, and uh, there was the one scene where the guy took a shotgun to his face. Um, you don't see it, obviously, but still, it counts as gore. So I, I think a three is a pretty solid rating on that. Yeah, I was going to say one or two. wasn't. <laughs> Sorry. No, yeah, just don't apologize. I agree with Greg. Based off the uh, actual, just the makeup effects, I would go three or four. I think that's fair. Yeah, I believe the, the gore was only in the, the makeup effects. Anything... Mm-hmm. When it came to the violence or anything like that, it was pretty much off screen. Uh, For the, the most part, the, the yeah. guy shooting himself, any axes, stuff like mm. that. Yeah, I yeah, believe. the whole axe mob at the beginning of the. the and thing even there. when he killed someone at the end with the axe, that was below the the fold. Yeah. So there was really no gore per se yeah. in this movie. So I would put it at about a three. Implied yeah, I, gore. I always think sci-fi gore is different from like horror gore. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Overall rating, and would you recommend it to a friend? I would give it a seven, and yes, I would recommend it to a friend. I think it's a fun watch. Yeah, I'm sitting at a seven, too. As I said, I love early 90s horror, so I'll (laughs) recommend it all day long, whether it's good or not. Yeah, I'm going to ride the middle, because what I saw, I liked for the most part. So I'm going to go around a five. I think I'm going to hit that five mark as well. If you're a Lovecraft fan, I think you'd really enjoy this movie. If you're a sci-fi horror fan, I think you would really enjoy this movie. If you're a Carpenter fan. Uh, If you're a Carpenter fan, you would enjoy this movie. But for me, at the end, it didn't pull it off. So five. Would I recommend it to someone? Yeah. Cool. All right. uh, Let's do plugs and then we'll wrap this thing up. Who's got plugs? Greg, you got a plug. I always got a plug. I'm Greg the Movie Guy and I am positively writing movie reviews over at Greg the Movie Guy. Com. Cool. Prairie Lights Film Festival, October 11th, 12th, and 13th at the Historic Grand Theater in Grand Island, Nebraska. Go check it out. Uh, tons of films already have been programmed, and it's a really cool fucking time, and we're going to be out there podcasting, so come hang out. That's it. Patrick. Maddie, you have anything? No, I have to pee. Go. Oh, you don't have a public service <laughs> announcement about don't leave knives with raccoons? No, I don't. You okay. So <laughs> if you're a fan of the Frightcast and we know that you are, help us out. Make sure that you head on over to what platform you're listening to us on and make sure that you rate and review us. Check us out. Uh, we're on the social medias all over the place. Just search for Midnight Frightcast. You'll find us. And so make sure that you share, share, share and share some more. Post it on your walls and tell your friends. And finally, make sure that you check out our films at midnightfrightfilms.com. Cool. Awesome. Is that everything, guys? I think that's it. So for Greg and Maddie and Patrick and myself, that was the Midnight Frightcast, episode number 62. We will see you next time. Bye.